This is the Conscious Economics Podcast. Your co-hosts are two women who found themselves in careers on Bay Street, but decided that there was something missing. So here we are. I'm Rhiannon Rosalind. I'm your co-host and the CEO of the Economic Club of Canada. I'm also the co-founder of Conscious Economics. Hi, I'm Asil, the CEO of Conscious Economics and a financial therapist. Now, we call ourselves economic healers, and that is a term that I'm sure nobody has heard before, but we really believe that if we want to heal our systems and create a more equitable society, it starts with actually healing our relationship with money and the economy. When you join us on this podcast, you'll be exposed to courageous conversations that help us examine, heal, and redefine the relationship we have with money. Join us on this journey as we co-create the new economy together. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Conscious Economics Podcast. I'm Rhiannon. And I'm Asil, and we are here to talk about a very interesting topic with you today, and that is when she makes more. And what do we mean by that? When the woman is the breadwinner. And so just a little disclaimer, we are going to be looking at this topic today through a heteronormative lens. This is where the bulk of the research is right now. But I do want to say that as we dive into this topic, I do think that this kind of lens and framework does apply anecdotally to um, other, uh, other relationships. So same-sex couples that I know still sometimes feel this need to play out some of these roles. Uh, so it's something interesting that we can explore. But uh, I agree. Another yeah. disclaimer is really in this podcast, we bring different research and, and different point of views on topics that are usually taboo or not necessarily common to talk about. And in doing so, we're inviting you into the conversation so that you can reflect how these particular issues show, show up in your life. So research is one thing, but we are very unique and complex beings and we don't normally fit in boxes. So just use this as an invitation to join the conversation and, and really bring self-awareness into your lives. And that's what this journey is all about. But to start us off, when I was started doing research on this topic, uh, I relied on the Financial Therapy Association journals because they're really good and they usually have lots of different research components in them. So when I looked up this specific topic, uh, the first thing that was part of the research was really going back and understanding the theory of marriage. So let me just give you a perspective on that because the theory of marriage uh, was anchored in 1973 by Becker and his theory suggested that people actually think about utility maximization when they want to decide whether or not marriage makes sense for them. So do I stay single or do I enter a marriage? And, and for that to happen, there has to be an expectation that you're utility and by utility there's different components to what that even means which we will get into is potentially higher and it's expected to be higher in a partnership than than you would otherwise be single yeah so i think that it's interesting because when we look at i guess the history of marriage it was always a sort of this is better for survival this yeah. is better economically i think only now are we really seeing people getting married because they are in love like it's it's more about that relation to each other as opposed to the utility of it all like Absolutely. I feel like that's really odd like you know what how do I maximize my utility yeah I can't imagine doing a formula to decide if I if I'm gonna no. enter this partnership or yeah. not but subconsciously perhaps on some level even though like it sounds because we have romanticized relationships across the years but I wonder if on on some level subconsciously we still have these mental calculations happening in our minds to help us decide whether or not this is the right partner for our lifestyle or our 
needs and goals. But utility maximization in this particular case defined by Becker is really about the quality and the quantity of the different goals you have. And he differentiated them in two different categories. One is called market activity, and that's the ones that are really related to your wage and your earning potential. So I'm choosing to marry you because now we're going to make more money together. Well, that's one uh, That's one aspect. And the other is the non-market activity, which is really managing the household. Like this the chores. Becker guy is making this really <laughs> heavy duty. Um, I think that what's really interesting when I think about this is I know so many women who still want, they want the man to be the breadwinner of the household. Mm-hmm. They are looking at how much a, a man's, potential earning Mm -hmm. um, could be in order to make that marriage decision like have you ever based a relationship around these factors it's very interesting because when I was like in in a dating phase my girlfriends and I would talk about it and there's a lot of women who explicitly say I would not be comfortable dating somebody who makes less money than I do and and there's times where I thought the same as well uh, because of other factors like I wondered why I feel this way but the the I am in a very comfortable and uh, amazing secure relationship in my life right now and we're very similarly uh, positioned economically and in the past I've been in positions where it's not uh, symmetrical and there's always been discomfort and it could have been either like power dynamic yeah there's always a discomfort with a power dynamic that comes with that mm. um, so so I have never in my whole history of dating and obviously I was married before now divorced I've never ever been with someone who made more money than me Mm -hmm. um and I actually feel like if I really dig down into it there's like a like I'm like repulsed by the idea like I have to be the one that Mm, is the breadwinner interesting and I don't know like what is going on in my psychology to why that is but um in my marriage of 10 plus years I was the breadwinner in that relationship and it's interesting because when I was looking at the research, you know, in this topic, one of the main things that comes up is that in relationships where the woman is the breadwinner, that woman is more likely to be cheated on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that relationship is more likely to end in divorce. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so I'm a walking statistic now. But it's true. There is this power dynamic and it can be, I guess, emasculating because we've had this particular lens that we've been sort of indoctrinated with where it's that like a man's job is to provide and a woman's job is to you know mind the household and this was a very different dynamic in my relationship my uh, partner was a stay-at-home dad for for periods of time while I was going out working and our roles were very very much reversed but there were certain things that I did in order to ensure that he felt still empowered in that dynamic so one of the things was like I'll I'll let you manage all the money and the finances like I'll bring it in but you do that and I was also kind of doing that because I was like I already do that all day and running my business so in my household like I don't want to sit there and do it again and be paying all the bills and whatever else so you do it so you feel empowered and like you know what's going on and you're making those decisions so that was how I tried to kind of put that dynamic back in in place I guess I don't know like have you had clients who have been in similar situations it's very interesting because I've had a whole bunch of different scenarios play themselves out when I was a financial planner and there's times where 
uh, they keep their finances secret from each other. So there's like, you almost feel as if the woman is making more, but you're not 100% sure because of how secretive it becomes uh, and how uncomfortable like it becomes. They don't even know they don't even each know. other. So that's one aspect of it. So I've seen that happen. I've seen women not necessarily disclose their income to their partner because of how uncomfortable wow. they, they, they speculate it being for the relationship. But even here, in, going back to the research, there's a lot of literature across the years from like 1995 all the way to 2005. So that there's a whole bunch of different research in that time frame that suggests that the more the wife earns her husband and the greater that disparity is, the greater the marital instability becomes so so even though some people may be doing it subconsciously there's reason for that another aspects of that another aspects of the literature suggest that men report lower levels of happiness when their wife earns more and it's not necessarily the presence of a wife's job that is problematic but it's only when she starts either working more hours or earning more then that's the aspects that become problematic for Mm -hmm. the men Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's not that the woman is economically empowered but it's when that empowerment outweighs their own contribution it's interesting because I feel like when I look back at my particular situation it was really easy for me to always use that piece as my excuse for not showing up in the relationship Mm. maybe in a particular way so like I definitely felt very much like you know I'm so busy I'm doing all of this I'm providing so I can kind of run the roost in that sense like I don't have to clean the shit out of the toilet or I don't have Mm. to do you know I just kind of like exempt myself from certain things um so what do you feel that is because this is interesting and that's also part of the things that came up for me as I was doing research that women who start making more money than men and become the breadwinners almost uh stop using the togetherness language so it's not about our money or our goals or our future now it becomes my money my future etc and it's and they start really discounting counting themselves out of chores and different things like that so why do you think let's talk about you specifically not necessarily the women out there because everybody has a very unique journey of how these things impact them um how do reflecting back on it now Why do you feel these things were happening for you? I was really careful about using togetherness language. And that's like part of it was, you know, here's all the money. You manage it. You make the decision. So even though I was the higher income earner, there were still times when like I was answering to why something was being spent or whatever So did you feel guilt and and you gave him the responsibility of your household? I wanted to keep him feeling empowered I guess because subconsciously I was concerned that if that wasn't the case that there would be a breakdown in that Mm -hmm. relationship and I'm you know coming from the background that I came from I think there's like a codependency there and not wanting to be abandoned or left or whatever so I was trying to kind of like do it all um but in terms of just like certain things around the house especially if one person is working and one person isn't working I like it's an expectation um that there's certain things that are being taken care of and so I think where the frustration kind of can come in is if you feel like I'm working all of these crazy hours I'm doing all this stuff to support and then on top of it I have to like come home and do xyz and 
this is what I think happens to a lot of women is that we still hold both sides. Like we, even if we are more successful economically, we still have this pressure to be Mm. the one that's like making the play dates, making the schedules, like sending the card to your mother-in-law, like doing all the things. And it gets to be very taxing and draining. And so I think that is sort of one aspect that there's that separation or that frustration that starts to come mm-hmm. in yeah it was it, it's an interesting thing to to think about I don't know. a lot a lot of women say that like once women started working so in the past traditionally the man goes out works and then comes home and expects the chores to be done and all these pieces but now that women are equally participating in in the labor force if not even more in some instances the 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 division of labor in the household is not necessarily fair or equal or justified and that's another uh, point of contention between couples so it's very interesting that even though we stepped up in our economical contribution uh, the chores for some reason are still on our on our shoulders and so it's the case for childbearing and raising children and responsibilities around that so I find that interesting because it goes back to gender roles and expectation and every person you did a disclaimer earlier in the episode about this is really fitting into the uh, heterosexual relationships but we start to wonder like now as different um, relationships you know exist how does this show up for them Mm -hmm. and as we continue to evolve as humans in the workplace how is this conversation going to continue to evolve as well well and I think that this is the whole point of you know conscious economics is to bring this awareness into these topics so that we can actually rewrite them and when we realize how deeply ingrained these Mm -hmm. patterns of relational you know relationship are and how much they impact uh, everyone it's important that we kind of think about that like it's 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 a really interesting thing to to break down I believe yeah when I reflect on my history now that I think about it um when I the men I dated in the past um I was very scared to share with them not what I how much money I made then because I I didn't make a lot of money but it was almost how much money I dream of and Mm -hmm. how much money I would love to start contributing and and the ambitions I had because that in itself was a source of contention coming from the culture I come from and it's it was very interesting for me how even sharing my dreams and ambition in themselves were sometimes emasculating so I, I started wondering what would happen when I start actually achieving my dreams like what kind of relationships would I start attracting if this is if the conversation itself just when it's an idea mm-hmm. it is in itself something that was threatening almost yeah well I think that that's really normal like I, I hear a lot of uh, again a lot of women that maybe got a raise at work and don't even want to tell their yeah. partner that it happened yeah. because of fear of what the reaction will be and yeah it's really interesting I remember somebody saying to me like oh like you're one of those women that Mm. wants to work as opposed to like insinuating that if you want to work or if you've put your career forward in a major way in your life, that somehow you're not the same kind of wife or mother or, or these things. Like it's all, it's all conditioning, but I definitely felt like because I loved the work that I did, I also felt very validated. Like this is my purpose and this is why like this is why mm-hmm. um but it was yeah it was just very uncomfortable 
these conversations have layers to them, like layers and layers and layers, whether it's uh, how we feel within like ourself and whether it's our relationship and then you have the societal and cultural elements that add even more complexity to the topic so there's so much more that we can explore as we continue diving into these topics but what do we want to leave our listeners with and 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 now that we're uh, approaching the end of this podcast I really want to invite the listeners to start thinking about how they may potentially be sabotaging their own success because of how these potential barriers or limitations impact the relationship. And and I'm specifically addressing women here uh, because there's definitely been times in my career where women were sabotaging their success in fear of how this would impact their relationship. Mm. So that's one angle. Another is to start reflecting if you're a man on how, you know, start asking yourself these questions. Like what, what is wrong with, a woman making more money than me and, and wh- how does that make me feel and if it makes me feel uncomfortable then why is that and you know asking the right question is important do you think it has something to do with the fact that men would perceive that if the woman was the breadwinner that they would then have to be this like excellent you know homemaker type and, and they don't want to do that or they don't have the role models or mm-hmm. the expanders to know how to step into a role like that because again we're seeing it more and more now that we're starting to have more fluidity in terms of the roles within relationships but I don't know I think we need to see more examples of every kind of relationship mm-hmm. of every kind of setup and scenario the more we see it the more that we talk about it the more that we hear about it the more that we can actually start to adapt and like break away some of these frameworks that are so yeah. deeply indoctrinated into our being I think it depends on the man like I hate generalizing anything really because I continue to reinforce how unique and complex we are as humans but my theory is money has meaning that we project on it mm-hmm. so it depends on what, what meaning you've projected on it that sort of contributes to how you view money and how you treat it in your life and how these issues surface so for a lot of us society put a specific meaning associated with power associated with control associated with self-worth so a man sometimes feel that he has less power less control less self-worth if he starts making less money Mm. um so there's different elements of that and that's why it's a conversation that i invite individuals listening to this podcast to reflect on it in their own life to start thinking what is the meaning I project to money because that helps you understand why you react a certain way why you feel a certain way and then ultimately why you behave a certain way when it comes to the relationship you have with money 100% so thank you so much for listening everyone and please share with us your thoughts in the comments below Uh, like and subscribe and we hope to see you again next week And to become a member of this Conscious Economics movement, you can always visit our website at ConsciousEconomics.ca to learn more about our programs and how to become part of this financial therapy movement because this is ultimately the path to healing for us. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by RBC Investees. If you've been listening to the Conscious Economics podcast and you're ready to heal your relationship with money and start an investment portfolio, RBC Investees may be the perfect place for you if you're just getting started. 
Not only is RBC Investee's platform easy to use and requires very little to get started, you can start with as little as $100 and actually rely on the incredible technology and expertise of the RBC Investee's portfolio managers to ensure that you are having a product that is helping you grow your savings and investments without all the heavy lifting and confusing aspects that can be so daunting and quite frankly can make people feel like they don't want to do it at all. RBC Investees is giving us a promo code for all the Conscious Economics listeners that waives their management fees for the first year. To take advantage of this offer, visit rbcinvestees.com and use promo code AA245 before July 31st to take advantage of this offer. <laughs> 